everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everyone, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Today we are in Exodus chapter 16, 17, and 18. So we have officially left Egypt at this point. Uh, We are experiencing Moses and his um, authority as this leader of the Israelite people. Uh, There is some bread that's brought down. There is some water that comes out of a rock. We've got our first opposition of the Israelite people from um, Amalek and then some crazy cool father-in-law advice. So what stuck out to you the most, Ryan Zook? Oh, man. Uh, My favorite story in these stories is probably Jethro giving advice um but we could talk a little bit about like we we talked about the miraculous yesterday Mm -hmm. and it's kind of funny how we like spent a day talking about the miraculous and now today's reading is full of the miraculous again Uh, but in much smaller well i don't i don't know that it's much smaller i mean like their their food just falls out of the sky every day um, I don't know. And, I'm, and I'm not quail, quail just are like moved to run to the Egyptians. I need, I need God to do that for me when I'm hunting. Actually, that'd be amazing. Um, you see I feel nothing. like you would support that decision. Actually, yep, that would save a lot of time <laughs> me being at home by myself. Um, something that is interesting that comes out of chapter 16, I think, is that this manna, uh, you're you're only supposed to take what you need. Yes. For the day. If you take more than what you need, it spoils and it gets rotten. It like worms. gets worms and all kinds of stuff. Um, but on the sixth day, you're allowed to get double and the manna doesn't rot mm-hmm. and it doesn't sprout worms. And what, what's happening is God is reaffirming the fact that we as people are designed to need a day of rest. Mm-hmm. We're designed to need a Sabbath. Uh, that will become one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, one of my favorite things to talk about with the commandment about Sabbath is for some reason we take a lot of the other commandments seriously, but we don't mm. take that one seriously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we would never look at thou shalt not kill. I, I really should be talking about this later, but we would never look at thou shalt not kill and be like, well, it's okay if you Spoilers. kill every once in a while. Um, but we treat Sabbath like, eh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But God rested on the seventh day, not because he was tired. So like in creation, God rested on the seventh day, not because he was exhausted, uh, but that he could model for us what we are designed to to do. Mm-hmm. And that is built in to how they're going to live life in the wilderness. It's built in to how manna works. Think about mm-hmm. that. Like God designed manna to feed his people and he made it to um, last twice as long on the sixth day so that people could rest. Something interesting about Sabbath is that it's not tired rest, it's spiritual rest. So what you're supposed to do on the Sabbath is definitely seek physical rest but also seek things that spiritually restore you and remind you of the presence of God in your life. It's kind of lost to us in the English translation, but the Hebrew carries that understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, So yesterday when we were talking about how important it is to remind your kids about what God has done, that's the kind of thing you're supposed to be doing on the Sabbath day because it's reminding you of who God is. So what's interesting here is that the people are grumbling and as they're grumbling, I mean, they're speaking against God, basically. Like, hey, why'd you bring us out here to die in the the wilderness? And God gives them food. He cares for them. But he also reminds them of how important Sabbath is because Sabbath is going to fight against your grumblings. Mm -hmm. It's pretty pretty interesting to me. Um, What do you want to talk about, Jenny? 
Uh, I did have one thing about the manna because I am a mom and I think this way. And I think a lot of the people did too. So Moses actually begins to get really frustrated with the people because, I mean, he actually says at one point in the story that he feels like, hey, God, I think they're going to stone me because they're so angry. <laughs> um, but they, like some of the people were trying to take more than what they should have. And in my mind, it makes sense because like as a mom, you want to make sure you have enough for the next day. But I think there's a serious flaw in that because God is, God is like supernaturally giving them food. So like, don't you think that he's probably going to continue to do that day after day? Like the assumption is that there's not going to be any the next day, but of course there's going to be some the next day because God is providing it for them. So that's pretty cool. So we move into, um, another instance where Moses is able to give them water via a rock. Super crazy. Doesn't really make sense at all. Um, and then we have this thing I was talking earlier. It's kind of funny. Like I envision Moses. So he, this is like when we were talking earlier about this first instance of opposition, uh, towards the Israelites. So Moses sends Joshua to basically go and attack Amalek. Okay. I'm assuming he's like getting too close or something. He's, he's basically presenting some kind of, some kind of opposition. Not good. But in this instance, I guess Moses just sitting up on a hill somewhere on a rock with his arms out. <laughs> and all I just think of is like those marionette dolls that just are like ridiculous with their arms flailing all over the place. Because as he, I guess as he raises one hand, Joshua begins to win the fight. As he raises his other hand, Amalek wins or is beginning to win the fight. Ultimately, Joshua like wards them off. But it's just, like, it's ridiculous. And, like, he's so old that he actually has to have, who was it? It was, um, who were the two men? Help uh, me. Aaron, Aaron and her. Aaron and her. Yep, that was it. Have to hold his arms so that he can, like, continue to decide the fate of this battle. It's so weird. But we were talking that this is just another way that God is showing the people of Israel that Moses is in charge. This is the guy that I want leading you. So, like, don't be confused. So it'd be easy to look at this and see that Moses is powerful. Like, wow, Moses is so powerful that when his <laughs> arms were up, the people won the battle. But it's not that Moses is powerful. It's that right. God is powerful through Moses. Mm -hmm. And so there's actually dudes holding his arms up in the air so that they can continue to make the, the continue to win the fight. Now, don't forget, Moses is leading a nation of 2 million people. It's a significant number. I'm sure many of those people would rather be in charge. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you work in a company or you work in a business, think of how many people want to be in charge of that mm -hmm. thing. Probably a couple. So if there's too many people, 2 million people, like it's very helpful that God is continuing to establish, no, this is my guy and I, I'm going to do things through him. One. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's a hot word these days. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, that leads us finally into what your your takeaway kind of part for yourself was anyway, with the introduction again of Jethro as Moses is leading all of these people with what seemed to be, in my opinion, I am an educator. So when I heard this, I instantly was like, oh, these petty people. I would just be like, just go figure it out yourself. Like you do not need to be coming to me with all your petty little issues. And Jethro kind of, I feel like he has that same mentality a little bit, like, Okay, you need to have a better system here because this is not working. bringing wisdom to Moses. There's a couple interesting things about Jethro. He's not an Israelite. Mm -hmm. He's a Midianite. Uh, and he knows God. And in this story, he makes sacrifices to God and blesses God. Mm -hmm. So this is another instance. I feel like I've been pointing these out over and over and over again to prove that God is not racist and he does not mm -hmm. have some special group of people. Uh, Jethro is a Midianite. He loves the Lord. 
The Lord is honoring him. I don't know that there's anything super spiritual to what happens in Exodus 18. You might disagree. You might think that, that there is. You can send us an email and let us know. It seems like he's just bringing real world wisdom to Moses. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you can't decide all the problems for all these people. So you need to delegate your authority to other people. He's like Marcus Lemonis coming in Bible times. <laughs> your process isn't working. What is interesting <laughs> Um, he's similar to Jesus in how Jesus chooses to, to use discipleship to build the church. Like, okay. Jethro is saying, Hey Moses, like this whole thing can't rise and fall on you. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I am not saying that the church does not rise and fall on Jesus. Please do not tweet me or something. Um, what I'm saying is, uh, like we, I, I, I work at a church. We've been talking about discipleship a lot. When I was reading through Exodus 18, I was like, man, I think I actually see like a little bit of a foggy image of what discipleship is. It's like you uh, understand as much as you possibly can how to follow Jesus. And as you learn to follow Jesus, you bring somebody alongside you to teach them how to follow Jesus. And as you are following Jesus together, authentically, like learning everything you can learn, growing in all the ways you can grow... You can help someone else, you can disciple someone else uh, to carry God's authority like you have learned to do, being empowered by his spirit, mm -hmm. um, to continue to grow the church. That's discipleship. I think Jethro is introducing a little bit of a foggy mm -hmm. concept um, well, it's almost like this, like, discipleship. this uh, like elder board kind of. It is It is very similar to an elder, mm -hmm. elder board because the re requirements yeah. uh, in Exodus 18 are some of the things that will be brought out in First and Second Timothy mm -hmm. in Titus as like the the requirements for an um, elder overseer of the church? So, and what we see coming up too is uh, the Ten Commandments. That's yeah. like coming alongside too. So it's like this weird, like actually putting feet to helping out all these people, and it's not just this Definitely. one man show. Yeah, I think so. So, what do you think a takeaway is for today, Jenny? What do you think a takeaaway is today, Ryan? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> touche. Um, I I think that I think that might be it. And I, guys, I'm sorry, I keep I keep doing that, but I think one of the takeaways is how are you helping to teach and lead somebody else um, who might be a little bit further behind you? Uh, how can you be discipling them to be more like Jesus, not more like you, more like Jesus, uh, so that we are building God's church in a powerful, meaningful way, led by his spirit for his glory. Uh, how can you invest in somebody else? It goes right along with what I've been saying for a couple of days now. How can you share your stories? Mm -hmm. How can you empower somebody uh, to do and know the things that you do and you know? And are you allowing God to use those opportunities in your life? Because sometimes, yeah. sometimes we feel like, oh, I should definitely speak into this or I should definitely speak my story and how God's worked. But kind of slink back. It's hard to do if you don't let people into your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's hard to do if you're too busy. It's hard to do if you're too important. The excuses go on and on. Yeah. But think about that. Like, who are the people that God has placed in your life uh, that you can be discipling and leading uh, closer to Jesus? Not yourself. Always Jesus. Uh, and in that way, I think we're following some of what could have been Jethro's advice. So, we'll okay. see you tomorrow. Bye. Exodus chapter 16. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. 
And the whole congregation of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, and I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat, but when its sun grew hot it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will, bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept until that morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness, 
when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout the generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is a tenth part of an ephah. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water sh- and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him, and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Wherever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and Israel his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you, with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other for their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel. 
in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What are you What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you certainly wear yourselves out, for this thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, you will be able to endure, and all the people also will know their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of Israel, and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.